It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. We now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Basketball is back, and so are we, finally. It is episode 116 of No Shot Clock. I had to look that up just seconds ago because it's been a long time. Thanks, everybody, for uh, putting us back in your podcast feed or doing whatever it took to listen to this, and also for sending so many questions so quickly. We're going to start with them, and then we're going to get into the top 10, which I'm not going to lie, has been hastily assembled now that we have a season, and it's really weird without the public league, but uh, Joe helped me out, I guess a lot more than normal. I didn't have as many of my own firm opinions, so we're going to hash that out. Are you, are you ready, Joe, for a, baske- a weird basketball season? The podcast and the rankings are similar to the <laughs> abrupt start to the season yeah. without much planning. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And it's just, uh, like I said, it's not as uh, as prepared and planned as, as past podcasts and rankings where we scour things for weeks and weeks leading up to releasing our rankings. It's just completely different yeah it was rough i had a one team that was definitely in my top 10 i found out that the two best players one's got a medical thing and one's a football player so they're out of there um and we we know about all the transfers i'm sure you guys have seen that on twitter you know 50 60 guys are gone so yeah it's going to be an interesting year for sure but we have basketball and that's great and we have questions because the listeners slash readers are excited and ready to watch some live streams on the internet. That's I feel bad for the fans, Joe, because, you know, I get to go to these games, and so I better not complain about it, because I get to be in the gym, where I know so I many they, people. I hope, I hope they let me in. Yeah, well, you better get, get advanced. I've been, I sent out emails for the whole week already. So far, everybody's been really kind, and is going to let me end a photographer in, so. I have cool. heard of several schools who are not allowing any fans. Yeah, um, game I'm going to Thursday, which hasn't officially been announced yet, are not going to have any. It's not going to have any fans at it, but they they are going to allow media in. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to say, I took that trip to Tuscola on Friday, and the gym wasn't as dead as I feared. You know, there were 50 spectators, like almost exactly, including me. But there's a lot. There were also, you know, all the personnel from both teams and the sophomore teams were in there. And, you know, they were kind of loud. So it wasn't like it was just an empty, you know, grave of nothing. It wasn't quite that bad. It was it was okay. Um, yeah, a lot of positive spin. I like it. Well, you got to do what you can. All right. Let's start off with these questions. First up, I think we got a rookie, a, a debut question asker. Uh, George Sorensen, he says he's happy to have us back recording. He says, what does Evanston look like without Jalen Gibson? Are they still a formidable team, even with losing their tallest player in the starting five from last year? Go Kits. So George is a Evanston fan, and George, I don't think you have anything to be worried about. Yeah, and they'll be they'll be front and center uh, in that when we break down Mike's top ten. So I mean, we'll have plenty time to get into Evanston for sure. But yeah, I mean, I 
yeah, Jalen Gibson brought a lot to them over the, and, and then it's the, the bad part for me with that one is, and this has nothing to do with previewing the team. So I'm not taking too much away from what we'll be talking about, but that group that played together for so long and has had so much success over the previous three years, I would love to seen that group finish it off, obviously in normal times, but even, you know, even with this, this season that we're going to have this makeshift season, just to, it'd have been great to see that those guys kind of finish things off. And with those guys, I mean, with Jalen Gibson. Yeah, he should have been there, you know, probably in Peoria last year with them and should have been here for this senior year run to, to yeah, back up whatever they'd done last year. So that is a shame. And a slight teaser here. I don't know if you've heard, George, but there is a, another tall guy that showed up at Evanston. A, not, I'm not going to say he's a replacement, but he's a, a new wrinkle. We'll get to that in mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, next up, Adam Hoover, uh, Clemente coach, basketball coach, my uh, neighborhood school and a podcast listener, great overall guy, a friend when I need some CPS help. And Adam, like many CPS coaches, I, I'm going to read this whole email because he speaks for hundreds of coaches, I think, at this point. Um, heck, maybe thousands, because it's not just basketball. It's every sport that wants to know what's going on right now. Adam's, he thanks us for resuming the podcast and says, I have a question on what you may have heard on where CPS is on this process of allowing teams to practice slash play. Why have they been so silent? I know of one CPS meeting for ADs last week, but nothing since then. What is preventing us from playing? Is the upcoming potential teacher strike, or is it because they are uncomfortable with the COVID risk? Both are reasonable. I would just like to know. I honestly feel that many CPS coaches I have talked to are understanding this is not an easy decision, but the lack of communication has been a little more than baffling to me. We have our student-athletes asking why they can't play, and other schools can and it's tough not knowing how to answer them. Any insight on your end? I get, since we started this podcast, a CPS athlete has DM'd me on Twitter and is asking what's going on. There's one kid I hear from every other day. He's a swimmer. I don't even remember what school. I didn't even know how many CPS swim teams were, but I mean, the amount of frustration out there and just, I mean, we all know this because we've gone through it the last few months. It's the unknown. And these CPS kids still have to deal with the unknown. You know, just one way or another, they just don't know. And, I, you know, I, didn't, I don't have a lot of info to add to this. I know I tweeted it out earlier today. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. And, you know, I talked to coaches who talked to ADs, who talked to other people. I know some people that talked to sports administration people. And from the best I understand, CPS Sports Administration has a plan to play. I don't know what that plan is. And if you remember a couple months ago, they said they had a plan to play. David Rosengard kind of got his wings clipped because he dared to email me directly a statement instead of going through CPS Communications. And he said, you know, that they were planning to play. And then the next day, CPS Communications came and walked the whole thing back and said they weren't sure. So keep that in mind. Just because CPS Sports Administration wants to play, it's going to come down to Janice Jackson and the leaders of CPS and what they want to do with sports. And I did hear just two weeks ago that they were not going to allow any games, that they were hoping to let the teams practice, and that was going to be it. Now, lately I'm hearing that maybe there will be games, but I think you should take that with a grain of salt. We don't know, and it sounds like we're not going to know anything until after this Chicago Teachers Union you know, kerfuffle has been worked out. So I would say maybe hold on to some cautious optimism. As far as why they can't 
tell people things, which is what Adam really wants to know, I have no idea. Um, that makes no sense to me. I don't know why it has to be so difficult. I think the teacher part is a huge piece of it. Uh, the, you know, the people, a couple of people I talked to even today, one, there was no new news, but the news prior to there being no new news was that it was the intent to begin as soon as possible, as opposed to, you know, there's been a lot of talk about maybe playing a public league only season later on the calendar year in the yeah. springtime. And from the people I spoke with, they have vehemently said that, no, the, the intent now is unlike what it was, I don't know, weeks ago or even months ago, that to, to get up and get running. And that was going to be the plan. But uh, I think the first thing is just they, they got to figure out the teaching part. I mean, they got to figure out that whole process first and get that squared away before I think they can really – you know, go forward with anything and, 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 and be more public and, and, and straightforward with things. Yeah, I am. That's a good point. No one has mentioned delaying the season to me in the last week. I have not heard that at all. So that probably seems right on. I will say that, and this is completely just my idea, but for those who don't know, um, well, first off, I understand kind of the trepidation with starting in CPS basketball and why it's different in the suburbs. There's, you know, 110 schools, I think, at this point, and they all have various levels of facilities. Some don't have athletic directors, you know, the funding. I mean, just trying to dot all your, you know, I's and cross all your T's on those regulations is going to be a challenge for these schools because they're going to want to do more than just boys basketball. So I get those problems, and I know – Pretty much every CPS person I talk to says there's going to be schools that just won't do it because it's going to be too difficult. And um, there's and there's certain people I've spoke with, uh, c- coaches who, you know, a question is, it, it if they're allowed to play right away, one of two things: are they only allowed to play publicly in the city schools in the region, or can they go out? And the college or the not college, the the coaches I spoke with that if they were told that you know they can only play public league schools, and that's it, public league schedule whatever have a public league tournament at the end whatever, then most of the people I've spoke with have said then they are more in favor of pushing the season back if that's all they're going to be able to do. Yeah. Uh, for logistic reasons, planning, you know, organization. Um, COVID numbers, all, in all of things that that would allow them to better serve everybody as a just a basketball community a little bit later, if that's all they were able to play is public league schools. Yeah, which seems I don't know. I'm just guessing, but that seems fairly likely to me. I, I just think for those who aren't aware, next to Gately, they just built a brand new facility. Um, it's a track, indoor track, and do you know what fits on the floor in between an indoor track? A basketball court. And I've heard there's already been plans for that. I say forget about making 110 schools meet it. Make that facility at Gately 100%, you know, cleaned and ready to go. It's something CBS can monitor. The teams can come in and out of there and play their conference season, you know, over two weeks or a month or whatever they wind up with. And it's, it's something, and it's a way that every team could play. I just think that's more reasonable than expecting all the schools to be able to figure this out 
literally sometime between now and March 13th. There's just no time. Mike um, wants a publicly bubble. It's basically the AAU. Yeah, but to me, that that's doable. I, th- I feel like they could pull that off easy. And every coach I've mentioned that to, you know, nobody wants that ideally, but everybody would play that way, I think. You know, they just have to show up. Very AAU-ish, I get that. But in this weird year, I think take advantage of that new facility and um, give it a whirl. Anyway, uh, next up, Jack Lydon, good friend of the podcast, great photographer, has helped us out with Sun-Times before. He has two questions. Number one. With the absence of interconference games, i.e. no CPS for South Suburban and the Catholic League, how are you guys going to rank the top teams? <laughs> well, Jack, <laughs> you know, this is a problem I'm kind of used to. It's just going to be more this year. You know, there's people in their different worlds, and going out to see them is very important. And once you've been watching high school basketball for a really long time, and you get a look at a team, even in a blowout game sometimes, you can get a pretty good idea. So I guess... More than ever, you're just going to have to trust us. <laughs> yeah, and, and as we were speaking before, we were talking about a little bit of this before we even began the podcast and just my experience with doing this. And, you know, yes, I, I mean, Mike, you, you go out and you'll go to the RB shootout here and there or maybe catch a game here. But, you know, in addition to that, that critical month of June – typically where the high school basketball teams are all playing. You get a, 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 a just a sneak peek at what's to come the following season. I also am out and about and seeing the development of individual players. And this kid and this kid has risen and, and such a big improvement and the strides this kid's made. And th- yeah, that hasn't happened. I mean, I watching stuff on, you know, I watched some live stuff in late summer and, 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 and throughout the fall not anywhere near what we're used to. Some a lot of garbage on the internet that was just awful. So th- you don't have that knowledge going into these preseason rankings, at least. Yeah, it's going to be a mess, and I- I'm sure that you know it's been a rough <laughs> several months for all of us, um, and I'm sure it's been rough for these kids too. Not everybody's had access to a gym. You know, nobody knows what's going on, so. It's going to be difficult. We're just going to have to deal with it. <clears throat> and I'll figure out these rankings. I always do. And people can yell at me, and that'll be way better than getting yelled at about what everybody thinks or may think I believe about COVID, which has been extremely annoying over the past few months. Uh, Jack, second question. What effect will this abbreviated season have on college recruiting for current sophomores and juniors? Um, that's interesting, Joe, because I know you've addressed the seniors and how they – you can mention. You should mention that again because they need to do what they're doing quick. But what about the sophomores and juniors? I mean, this is a podcast of its own. Uh, I could go on and on about different. You know, first of all, the the pandemic and not playing. I know everyone wants to, particularly parents, get all bent out of shape about my kid can't get a scholarship and they can't be seen, they can't be recruited, and they can't be evaluated. And that's all true to an extent. But, you know, the underlying problem, not underlying, it, I mean, it's, it's bold. It's, it, it is the NCAA rules that have gone into place. And by that, I just mean the transfer rule. Everybody is granted a waiver, one-time waiver. They can transfer and be eligible immediately. The second part, which is the huge one, every single college player 
has been granted an extra year of eligibility, regardless if you're a senior, currently a senior in college, junior, sophomore, freshman. So we, uh, there's a lot to be played out. There's going to be like this backlog, and they haven't sorted out the scholarship situation yet. So right now, you know, you can sign if you have kids that are reaching, if you have seniors that are coming back, they can be still given scholarships. And you can still take your recruits that you have signed in the fall and you can go over your 13 number of scholarships as long as, you know, it's that group. What hasn't been determined is what's going to happen to the scholarship situation if X amount of players try to stay on who are juniors the following year. Yeah. And (laughs) so, I mean, schools aren't going to continue cranking out 15, 16, 17 scholarships for a basketball program because of COVID, because of money. And it's just not feasible. And and coaches don't want 16, 17, 18 guys in their rosters. Now, a lot of it's going to play itself out. They're going to weed kids out. Uh, You know, seniors they don't want, they're going to be up front and say, hey, look, you can come back. You can get your scholarship. Yes, it's your your right because of the rule, but you're not going to play and you're you're not going to – so. Do those kids stick around? Probably not. But we have seen anywhere from 1,200, 900 to 1,200 transfers. Uh, talking with college coaches, like I do every day. Don't be surprised if there's 2,000 transfers from March going forward. And what that does is all of these kids, all these coaches are waiting to, because they, they would rather have a transfer, to be honest with you. And it's bad for my business. Uh, they would rather have a transfer than a high school kid. And they want to see what transfers they can get to fill out their scholarships before they dip back down into the high school levels. Now, what does that mean for the younger kids? A lot has to be played out. I still have concerns for the class of 2022. You know, the top 10, 15 kids in the state, they're all going to be recruited. They're all going to get scholarship offers. But just as we see right now in 2021, there are probably half a dozen players who are legitimate division one prospects who don't have much going. And in that same range in 2022, you know, that 20th rank, 25th rank kid, 30th rank kid, 35th rank kid. I I still have concerns and questions of what, how this is going to play out for them. Yeah. I mean, what a mess. And and like you said, there's so many interesting things there. You know, one of which I think a lot, I guess it doesn't get written about a lot. I think it's for various reasons with the college media, but, your point about how college coaches these days, they want the transfer, not the high school kid, is just so true. I mean, the age, these college teams are just so old, you know, and I understand why. The transfer is going to help win now. You know, the right. high school kid may be in two years and they're trying to save their job, their overpaid job. At this yeah, and there's, and there's so many who are trying to save their yeah. jobs. So it makes sense. I understand why it's going on. But to me, it's like bad for college basketball. It's definitely it's bad. Horrible. horrible. It's bad for recruiting, for sure. It's a nightmare. And what's that stat on Twitter? That the Wisconsin starting lineup is older than the Bulls. I mean, that, that's like <laughs> no, true. That, 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 this is the worst. <laughs> I think that's the being involved with what I do and talking with college coaches. Now they're not going to. A lot of them aren't going to publicly say it. It's the worst position college basketball. It's the worst state it's been in in, in a long. I mean, I don't know since when. Maybe ever. I mean, yeah. It's just not it's roster building. It's not program building. Uh, it's 
got an AAU ish feel to it. And it's, it's, and it's really going to be a struggle for low majors and, and mid majors. Yeah. My advice at this point to these kids, especially the ones that aren't top 30 in the state or whatever, just get your grades in order, you know, get into a college and maybe, wow, I'm at a tryout at Illinois state. <laughs> when, uh, once you're in there as an actual student, because it's going to be a messy two years. Um, next up is uh, George Nahab, Nahabedian. Sorry. I'm sure I butchered that name. Uh, George is uh, asking about the, feature that we need to talk about it's sort of been my daily um ta- i want i want my daily task but it's po- all i'm doing is posting joe's amazing series the 50 winningest um programs of the past decade you know in our area i'm sure if you're listening to this podcast that you have checked that out and it's just so impressive the amount of work joe put into that and the daily content that he gave to the site and helped keep this sport alive you know over the last two months when we didn't know what was going on and i feel like it should have been the great week of the top, you know, three or four, and instead the season's starting, so it's kind of fizzled out. But we're still going to have a really nice spread on Saturday in Sports Saturday. We're going to have the top ten revealed and the whole list of the top 50. So pick that up. It'll be a nice, like, keepsake thing, I think, for a lot of people. And George, as many people has, has been reading. And his question is, um, does any other area in the country compete with Chicagoland in terms of producing NBA talent or even just high-level Division One, And he mentions that last year, at one point, there were at least five Simeon players alone on NBA rosters. Yeah, specific um, areas as far as, you know, urban areas. I, you know, New York has fizzled out because the prep schools have really taken a lot of the East Coast kids. Uh, you know, California and Texas are still, you know, I mean... For t- Texas is a monster um, with Division One players just because of sheer numbers. But uh, I, without having dived into recent numbers, it, it's really hard to to say right now. But yeah, I mean, even with and we, we've talked about this, I've written about it. Even with I'll say since 2016, there has been a decline in number of Division One players and even high profile guys you know, out of Illinois in comparison to previous years or decades, it still produces a large amount as, as we just indicated. I mean, there, I'm working on a piece right now that uh, fits that with certain programs in Illinois with NBA talent. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I can't answer specifically a geographic reason region that produces more or less than, than Chicago area, but it, it's, I mean, it's obviously one of the the top recruited areas in the country. Well, I think right now we're at a high. Um, in my 20 years at the Sun Times, we've never had more locals players in the NBA. Yeah, game? yeah, not even close. Yeah, I mean, they're they're. I mean, I'm trying to pull up my. I mean, my you think about I, it. You know, guys like just guys coming off the bench. Plus, you got your Jalen Brunsons. You know, the stars we all know about. I mean, this is a. To me, it's got to be a, a banner high. And as far as the mention the Simeon thing, there is definitely not another real high school that has five NBA, four or five NBA players. There are, you know, the Montverds and the the prep schools yeah. and stuff. But right. I, I, I'm almost positive there's not another actual high school. High school, yeah, that, that has that many. That's unique and insane and super, super impressive. And Simeon was number one in the countdown for those who didn't check that out yet. 
Um, so many great surprises in that. We could have done a whole podcast, and, you know, if we were better at podcasting, we would have <laughs> done a whole podcast on the uh, winningest teams, but, like, seeing how high Newark was, and even, like, Bennett, which I knew would have been high, but not really that high, just some really cool stuff. Um, I enjoyed it all the time. I'm shocked we had all the pictures we did, but that's something everybody should go back and take a look at if they have not. Um, well, a, lot of in- a lot of interesting nuggets that were that- – well, even as something like you and I who cover it as much as anybody, but either something you didn't know or something that just kind of you remembered like, oh, yeah, uh, there was just so many of those in in those top 50 uh, that came out and shined through that that really was the highlight for me. I mean, some of it was obvious. I mean, uh, and, and then just seeing some of those all decade the names for some of those schools, all decade teams and how they matched up with some other, it, it, it was a lot of work. Yes, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I can't imagine. Yeah. The amount of work is staggering to me and it's, it's just quite a final document. I wish someone could actually see just the amount of text and information Joe had <laughs> on those 50 teams. It, it's kind of mind blowing. He would send me kind of, I get different amounts, maybe five in one, 10 in another one. And it'd just be like, Oh my goodness, this is a, uh, Something else. But I guess it kept you busy during the uh, pandemic, Joe. I started in June, actually. Oh, my gosh. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. Well, uh, because you have the 50, but you got to make sure you don't miss, like, so you got to go, like, 70 deep. But then once you go 70, you don't want to keep going. You know what I mean? It's just. Yeah. And by the way, I've got a few texts. Joe, when is your top 85 coming out? (laughs) That will not be happening this year. Sorry. Yeah, you guys are going to be stuck with. Um, I'm gonna do, we'll do the Super Twenty Five, um, and I think Joe's going to put out a feature with kind of the teams after that, um, and then I'm also going to do top ten just CPS, so we're ready for that. So we'll have enough rankings going on. Uh, next up, question is from an anonymous parent. Um, he's the parent of a current superstar high school player. Just figured it was better not to. Uh, he didn't want his name out there, which makes sense. So you guys are just going to have to all wonder. Um, He's got four questions, a couple we've already hit on, so we'll kind of hit it a little quicker here. Um, he wants to know about the, the season, this actual weird season thing we are lucky enough to have. And the first question is, do we think there'll be a greater chance for injuries with all these games packed in and such little practice and conditioning at this point? I mean, I do, uh, but I'm not a physical yeah. trainer so yeah i was gonna say <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I just uh, <laughs> yeah. you know i just think it's common sense but it's also going to be you know player by player what they've been doing you know and, and team by team um but yeah i mean i, I know there's going to be some teams that are going to be very aggressive with games there's other teams that i've talked to programs that are going to be less aggressive um i i i mean my my answer is yes, there would be more injuries or more than normal, but I mean, I'm far from an expert on that. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I think a lot of these kids are kind of getting overworked previously, so maybe a little rest at everybody some good um, is the other possibility, but yeah, I'm who knows. Um, next question was that um, he anticipates this mini season will be much like the college level in which there will be many upsets because of all the lack of practices in chemistry. I think there will also be a lot of upsets because my rankings are also shakier. <laughs> so Yeah, what constitutes an upset? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, that that's true. I, 
uh, and the I mean, what, what, what these schedules are going to be more or less watered down. I mean, we're not going to see some of these schedules that some teams put together because they're not going well. We'll see now with some of these out of the blue changes and you can play 30 miles or whatever. But, you know, there's not going to be a huge opportunity to play a ton of games where, I mean, we, we, we know a, a power isn't losing to a bottom feeder in the league. But, you know, I, the, these competitive games that you see at the holiday tournaments or uh, shootouts or, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to have as many that materialize because I don't know if we're going to have that many that are with the potential to, to play those types of games as many. Yeah, it's wild. I, I'm sure a lot of you saw on Twitter, Maine South has like a 22-game schedule that they're hitting. Well, I also today received Warren's schedule. And the North Suburban, and if you've noticed, has been very quiet about their scheduling so far. And what Warren has right now is a seven-game regular season, which is just uh, one game against everybody in the conference. Um, not even like a home and home, and then they have a tournament at the end of the year. So that's on the small. I think that's the smallest I've seen so far. I think I've heard some talk that Mundelein schedule in other games, but it looks like maybe Warren isn't. So that's an area where we could be seeing less. I guess you just don't know um, what you're going to get at this point. Also, things are going to remain very fluid. We'll see how it goes um, over the course. Now, the the last question here, I think, is actually really interesting. Um, from this parent is something I hadn't thought of, but is interesting. He says, I'm hopeful we won't see a lot of kids trying to do too much in hopes of getting that college offer. Crazy parents, not unlike myself, telling their kids they have to take over. This is their last chance. It could resemble travel ball. So, Joe, are we going to see desperate <laughs> seniors? <laughs> just 28-shot nights. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, here's another thing to there's not going to be a college coach in a, any gym. Ah, ever. yeah, good point. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, they can't go out now until at least April 15th. And I keep hearing that'll be pushed back to June 1st, which is, that would be like 15 months without having evaluated in person, which is crazy to think about. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, that I, the, the <laughs> There are far fewer players out there who are being shafted than than people are talking. There's just not that many scholarships out there, scholarship kids out there. There, there just aren't. I mean, I, there's definitely a couple handfuls that are being shortchanged. But, I mean, this idea that there's 20, 30, 40 players who are missing out – I mean, you, the Division Three. Come on, I mean, Division Three recruiting. I don't want to dismiss it, but you can always go to a Division Three school and show up the first day and, and, and play. Uh, you're paying your own way. Uh, I know you want to feel wanted, but I, I'm just saying I don't think there's a ton of of guys that are completely, completely missing out because of not having played. Um, so I would hope there's not that many guys that go out there and shoot 28 times to try to prove, prove, prove themselves. I mean, I wouldn't mind watching it. <laughs> I don't like travel ball. I also hate overcoach defensive high school ball. So if somebody wants to just chuck 23s in a game, maybe they'll hit half. It'll be really exciting. Um, all right, let's get into the, uh, 
The Super 25 that I never thought I would do for two reasons. I never thought I would do a Super 25 without the Chicago Public League in it. And I just didn't think I was going to do one this year at all, as I famously wrote in that uh, column about when I thought basketball was dead, um, because I believe that Governor Pritzker believed what he was telling us. Um, so let's let's go. Um, Joe, we didn't talk about this, but I want to go from one to ten. Is that okay with you? Anything's okay. Okay. <laughs> I, don't like, I don't need a slow burn from ten to one. Let's start it out. Number one, um, this was I'll say right now, Simeon would have been my number one um, overall if there was a normal thing. And I don't want to take away from the Notre Dame Dons who are number one, but I just think that's just fair and right that in a in a world where everybody was playing, Simeon just had assembled too much talent, and I love their guards, and they would have it would have been close, and I still would have thought about it, and I did think about it a lot, but right now Notre Dame I think is the class of it. Evanston's number two, and that was a close decision for me. And just today, I thought about a little bit more because I, I, I love that Evanston group. I've talked about them on the podcast. If you guys have been listening, you know I was a big fan of them last year, even when they kind of hit their rough spot. But this Notre Dame group, I mean, Troy D'Amico, Anthony Sales, Louis Lesman, they picked up a transfer from Garen. Uh, Jimmy Dahoney, I believe you pronounce it, he averaged 16 points a game. For Garen last year. They have some interesting young guys like Sonny Williams and Mac Ross. And I mean, we've seen this team. Anybody listening to the podcast has seen this team. They're a rock solid number one. We know what we're going to get. Sometimes they're spectacular. And just the floor on them is really, really high. Yeah, I would have no, I mean, I would have no debate over who's number one. Um, now, you mean? It, yeah, in this, in these rankings that you were doing today, uh, I, I think they're a, clearly the class of 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 the non-public league teams and and they would be one or two in, in any rankings that I would do but yeah it's it, they've got a lot of talent yes but they've been through now a season where they played some they played a rugged schedule last yeah. year i mean they yeah. they Kevin Clancy uh, put it together a great schedule uh with uh, I, I think they played Simeon, Morgan Park, Curie. I mean, Bo, I, I get played all the public league powers. Um, and they were 29 and five. Yeah. I mean, they were the 3A favorite last year. I don't, I don't, in my mind, they were, they were the clear cut favorite. And they've, they've got a togetherness, a cohesiveness that goes with that, that absurd talent. So that's why, I mean, they got the, they got the three division one players. Yeah, to me is, and and they're and they're all versatile. I mean, all every one of those those stars are you know Troy D'Amico, uh, Louis Lesman are are both kids with size who can step out and play in the perimeter. Uh, they're a matchup nightmare. So yeah, I mean, I, I to me Notre Dame is the class of 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 these rankings that we're doing today. Sounds like they're going to be aggressive, maybe with some scheduling too. So we might get some fun games with them. Yeah, and they should be. I mean. I, the East Suburban Catholic Conference, um, I, from what I've been told, is only playing one game. So what's a 10-team league, right? So that's only nine games. So that leaves you a ton of scheduling opportunities if you're an East Suburban Catholic Conference school. Exciting having them at number one, too. You know, Notre Dame, I love the gym. You know, there's so much support for all their athletics there. They are fantastic with the media. It's a great school to work with. It's exciting to have kind of an – 
a team we haven't seen at number one before. And I do feel kind of bad because they're not going to get the normal kind of number one treatment. I, I'm hurriedly scheduling interviews now and trying to get this thing out, you know, before the season starts. That's just what we've got here. But um, it's exciting for them. Uh, number two, Evanston. I'm a little, I think they're closer than Joe does, I guess. Um, but I, I, I've just been bullish on this group. It's Some of the heights I saw them at last year was incredible. Um, they did lose Jalen Gibson, as we talk about, talked about. He transferred to Texas. But Blake Peters is back. Isaiah Holden, Elijah Bull, Deshaun Hemphill, Rashawn Boast, uh, Kyle Wilson, that's 6'6". Uh, he's a senior now. Um, I heard a little bit about the sophomore Prince Adams. And then there's the X Factor, um, a player who I don't, I've never seen play, Ola Ajaboye. He is a 6'8 transfer from Von Steuben. He's a senior now. I went to see him last year at Von Steuben, and it turned out he was hurt and did not play, yeah. so I've never seen him. He's battled injuries. I've, I've seen him. I like him. He's, he's, he's raw. He, he provides Evanston something they haven't had, uh, clearly with that size and, and, and mobility. Uh but he has battled injuries, and that's been kind of a bugaboo with him over the past, you know, 15 months, really, um, even even in the back last fall. But, yeah, I mean, as, as, as locked in as I am with Notre Dame at number one in these rankings, I'm equally as locked in at Evanston's number two. And, I, I, you know, I, I just think their, their experience um, and, and what Mike Ellis has done with that program – is just pretty remarkable over this. I mean, to live up to the expectations that this group has had, and they've met them every single year. They were still playing last year when they were going, you know, right before the pandemic shut everything down. They were ready to go into a high, big-time sectional final game against Lyle Academy, uh, and, and they were on the cusp of being playing in Peoria uh, for a third straight year. Yeah. And this would be their fourth straight year. So, you know, I, it is a group that will go down as the most successful group of players that have gone through Evanston in the history of a pretty proud, rich tradition, rich basketball program. I am. I remember when, you know, watching Blake Peters as a freshman and sophomore, all I kept thinking was, this kid is going to be the most monster senior basketball player I, I was so confident in how good he was going to be as a senior. Just he, he can, the passing ability, everybody knows he can shoot it, the way he can run the floor and just run the team. And remember Cully Payne, you know, that senior year he put together before he got injured, you know, mm -hmm. how great he looked. I kept thinking that we were going to get a player of the year caliber type thing out of Blake Peters senior year. And, you know, who knows? We still have a season to go here. It's just, there's no playoffs and there's no holiday tournaments and stuff. So I'm really excited um, to see him, you know, as an upperclassman, kind of a finished high school prod product here. I think that's going to be a pretty special thing. I'm really looking for, you know, and I'm glad we at least get that. At least I get to see a month of Blake Peters as a senior versus nothing. Um, yeah, he, he just had an unbelievable career. I mean, tough, competitive, uh, a, a, a fabulous kid to talk to as, as far as interviews and, and, and providing some insight on some things. Just a, you know, I, He's one of my favorite kids in this class. Next up, number three, and this is also fun, Mundelein. 30-4 and four last year. 12-2 and two in the North Suburban. They have got a rock-solid group returning. Connor Enright, uh, guard, we all know about star guard. Scotty Abube, he's uh, headed to Southern Illinois. He's the big man. It sounds like he's played pretty well in the uh, 
games lately. <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, Trey Baker, Jack Bickus. Um, I just love this group. It's a it's a it's a Mundelein team. They're a bunch of kids from Mundelein neighborhood team. They didn't. I don't know. I loved them last year too. They fell short versus Stevenson. But this is the year they're seniors. Big things are on tap. It sounds like they also are going to try and schedule some cool games. Um, I think I'm looking forward to seeing this team maybe more than anybody. This is a team I want to see the most to see what they look like. This whole group is seniors. Well, they're, they, they're one of the better storylines of the year. I mean, in a normal yeah. year, uh, you know, a, a team that is, you know, they, they've had here and there, they've had some success, but I don't think anybody, Mundelein's never come in, came into a season with this big expectations or as much hype. Uh, Connor Enright going to Drake, is, you know, he, so you got two Missouri Valley Conference players on that roster, uh, experience, uh, and the, the storyline would have been, are they poised and ready to take that next step, yeah. you know, and and to see if that came to fruition this year, because, you know, I, it's been, it, it has been, you know, Stevenson uh, in that league for a lot of years, and this was Mundelein's year, this was Mundelein's time, and and, um, and up in that area as well. Next up, and you know, Mundelein, they'd have been really high in my, with Public League. I might have put yeah, them a little yeah, too yeah. high, <laughs> but I would have really, I was, I'm really high on this team. Um, it's going to be, I'm, I, I, I think that'd have been a top 10 team for sure. I'm glad we get to see, and they're, they're another team that, you know, through all this, thank goodness these seniors get to at least have something, you know, to finish their year because this is a group, as Joe said, you know, like the Evanston group and the Notre Dame group and some others want to talk about that. It's the year that they've been looking forward to for so long. And high school basketball fans, we, we know that th- sometimes this is a once every 20, 50 years thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you get this all the time. And so it, these are the communities that are really getting impacted by this and are really missing out on some special things. So at least they have something. Uh, next up is number four, DePaul Prep, a complete massive powerhouse. Tom Kleinschmidt took over. Um, all five of their starters, I guess I'm not sure they're five, but they have five kids going to play college basketball. Uh, T.Y. Johnson, uh, the star, we know he's going to Loyola. Rashid Bellow, uh, another senior guard, is heading to Wisconsin Parkside. The big man, 6'10", senior Brian Matthews, is going to UMass. Uh, senior guard Cam Lewis is going to play at Connecticut College. And Jabari Sawyer, he's a 5'11 guard, a senior. He's the son of Amari Sawyer. He's going to play at St. Mary's in Minnesota. Then they've got a 6'10 junior that I've heard a lot about, Dylan Arnett. Um, plenty of sophomores, you know, that are loaded a freshman. I, three freshmen I've heard about at this point. This DePaul prep program, I mean, it's not going anywhere. This is going to be a consensus top 10 program for the considerable future. Yeah, Time Kleinschmidt has built this into a power. I mean, they, they, they've, they've got a state trophy. They've been to Peoria. They've become a Catholic League power. And I'm super high on this, this team. You know, Mike and I discussed the rankings, and I was like, just pushing DePaul prep to Paul prep. <laughs> and, you know, I would even in my own rankings, I would even put them three, uh, uh, put them a spot higher because I, I just think T Y Johnson is a, an explosive offensive weapon that few teams have. Rashid Bellow is a, a dynamic defender. One of the best defensive perimeter guys around. And you mentioned Dylan Arnett. I got a chance to watch a lot of the Illinois wolves and their scrimmages and, and, and workouts and, and from August through October and, and 
if I had to pick one kid in that class who made a uh, made a big jump, Dylan Arnett's that guy. Uh, I think Dylan Arnett's one of the top 15, top dozen prospects in the class as a college basketball prospect. He's 6'9". Uh, I mentioned 6'10". Maybe he's 6'10". But I, you know, legit 6'9", who can – you know, he's not a pure stretch foreman, but he is a big guy who can run the floor – get off the floor, but also step out and knock down a three. So, you know, they got size, they've got offensive weapons, uh, and, and they've got that, you know, they've got that, uh, that thing that, 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 that program thing where we are nowhere good now. And that that's what's happened and developed at DePaul over yeah. the last three, four or five years. Uh, number five <clears throat> is Hillcrest. And when Joe mentioned there, you know, when we talked about these rankings, Hillcrest was a, a tough one for me because I think, and I'll, I'll just say this, I think they're the most talented team in the area if you take the CPS out. Just raw ability on the court. We just saw the last year, though, it didn't quite work out. You know, they were 23-9, and nine, but they had some rough patches. They also had some great high moments. And so it's just a group that never seemed to really find the right chemistry, but man for man this team could be number one by the end of the year. And I don't think anybody would be surprised if they figured it out. I mean, Marquise Irving, leader, point guard, football star, Julius Rollins, Amari Bowers, Jacoby Hetty, Kenton Wright, some great young talent, Bryce Tillery and Cameron Cobb. I mean, man for man, in this non-CPS you know, world, they have an amazing amount of ability on that team. A lot of size and length um, with... With with Bowers and Haiti and Rollins, I mean that, that that's six 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 seven crossed the, with, with some some range rangey length and so yeah they they but the the problem in the comparison between Hillcrest and these teams we mentioned though Mike <clears throat> is the well the word I keep using is that cohesiveness yeah a lot of these other teams have kind of come together already and showed not just the potential but almost a finished product. Well, not almost with teams like Evanston and Notre Dame, but you know, I I just think Hillcrest that's the step they would have needed to have shown and, and have to show that they have kind of come together as a unit, as a group, and and, and playing well together, and and that's kind of what's been lacking. And there's just there's been something missing uh, to prevent them from becoming that team. Yeah, it, it's really interesting, and but they're seniors now. You know, this core group are seniors, and that's when usually we've seen so many times when it took until senior year to figure it out. And I think maybe that might happen with this group. And I'm not going to be surprised if they wind up higher than five in my final rankings. And um, I'm ready for that. Um, And I think, I feel like, I don't know if I need to say it or not, but to me, that's, that's a top tier. Joe might disagree. Um, I feel like, I mean, it's the top five, so that makes sense. And the next the next teams, I feel like they they deserve to be ranked in the top 10, and they've got players, but I, I think there's a bit of a step-off where they're not quite as loaded. These are teams that are going to be really good, and they could prove me wrong, but I think that, that top five, you're looking at schools that have three, four, five guys that are college basketball players that are starters. Um, yeah, I, I agree as far as on paper. There's no question those are the five, and then there's a there's a gap. Yeah. On paper, but as we know, so many things going to play, and this isn't a normal year. But I mean that that 
that chemistry, playing together, uh, well coached, all these different factors, you know, and, and just not having seen the development of, of individual players too. You know, there's going to be a team or two that, not more, probably more that <laughs> would, would would climb into that that conversation as well. But you know, starting with your number sixteen. And there are two monster players yet to come in these rankings that could change everything single-handedly, and one of them is on the number six team, Fenwick. They were 27-7 and last year, 12-3 and in the Catholic Blue. Everybody knows about Bryce Hopkins, former Louisville commit. Now it's Kentucky. Um, and then a slew, just an incredibly talented junior class. Football players, basketball players, you know, there's just so much ability on this. A couple sophomores and freshmen. They also picked up a transfer, TJ Stevenson, that I just learned about, I think, uh, last week um, when I got the email. Um, he's a 5'11 junior guard. He attended Fenwick as a freshman and then played in Rockford last year. And um, Staunton Peck, the coach, thought he was going to be a big contributor this season. So that is definitely something extra. However, they did lose Trey Pettigrew, who was a huge part of this team. And I thought really meshed well with Bryce Hopkins. So that's... I think that's kind of a big loss for them. They do have the players to kind of make up for that, but I'm interested to see how that goes, and I wonder where they'd be in the rankings if Pettigrew was still there. I mean, geez, hi. Yeah, I mean, Pettigrew is a top-five player talent in in, in that class. Uh, You know, he's only a junior, uh, but, you know, Bryce Hopkins is a star. I mean, he's he's a put my team on my back carry you a uh, superstar with massive numbers for the past two seasons. Uh, he's a top 35 talent in the country. So you throw that on any high school team, <laughs> you're, 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 you've got a head start. Now the problem with Fenwick in terms of, you know, breaking in the upper echelon is on the defensive side, end of the ball, end of the court. If they can somehow, put last season's lack of defensive consistency and just put that away and rev that thing up at that end of the floor, they're going to be fine. They're going to be a top 10 team all season. Uh, you know, they're an L challenge for, for a Catholic league t- title if they can defend, but that that's, they did not prove that last year. So excited to see Hopkins as a senior. And, you know, as you said, and he's not one of those stars where we got to equivocate about how, Oh, he's going to be better at the college level, and oh, maybe right. he's not doing enough. He's an absolute high school basketball stat stuffing monster that can literally win a game by himself. So, yeah, that's fun. Can't yeah, wait. The to production see is there every yeah. night, you know, for for two years, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, he is that guy. He is a guy. And I mean, see, Bryce Hopkins is so good that if Fenwick spends a week of the season at number one because they've beaten everybody because he's unstoppable. I don't think anybody's going to be shocked um, at this point. He's that good. Uh, next up, I think this is going to be a surprise to some people, Joe. And I think a little bit of that is my fault <laughs> because I don't think they got the coverage they deserved last season um, for various reasons, this and that. But um, number seven is St. Patrick. Um, awesome gym, north side. I mean, can you imagine, before I get into this, like – having a full high school basketball season where St. Pat's and Notre Dame are both well, in the top yeah. 10. I mean, well, 
Yeah, and, and that in that game. Yeah. Oh, they better have it somehow this season. I mean, that yes. game. Yeah. Every year is is special, but can you imagine? I mean, no, St. Pat's probably wouldn't be a top ten team. You know, with the expanded public league teams involved and in the or in, included in the rankings, but they're a legit. The the point is, we have two legitimate ranked teams in this huge, massive rivalry uh, that brings out the, arguably the best atmosphere um, in high school basketball. Yeah, I mean that game would be fun if St. Pat's and Notre Dame just picked five kids from the senior class <laughs> that weren't basketball players and went at it. So that would be awesome. I. I hope to goodness somehow we at least get to uh, have it on a live stream somewhere. But St. Pat's was 23-8 and eight last year, 7-2 and two in the East Suburban Catholic. Uh, Caleb Coro is a senior point guard. He's headed to Olivet. He was eighth in the conference in scoring last season. Um, Nick Galati, he's a 6-1 guard. He was their leading scorer last season. And then he picked up a season-ending injury, ACL, in January. So St. Pat's had to play the whole second half without him. And still went twenty three and eight. Um, they've got another future college player, Michael Hamilton. He's a six six senior. He's looking at uh, places like Augusta and Loris. We'll wind up somewhere like that. Um, Jackson Gitler. He's another senior that's experienced and been with this group. And then there's their breakout guy. He's a junior, six five, Tamaris Brown. He was actually twelfth in scoring in the East Suburban last year as a sophomore. Um, but he's the one that might be able to take this team to the next level. And what really sold me on this team, talking with and hearing from some St. Pat's people, the core group, you know, I mentioned, what, five seniors there and then Tamaris Brown. They've just played together for a really long time, and they're ready to do some things. And this is an exciting team. And um, I wish we could – yeah, sorry, I just keep whining the fact we don't have a normal season. But, yeah, St. Pat's, Joe. Yeah, Tamaris Brown is – you know, I'll actually be featured in a, in a story coming out later – either this week or over the weekend uh, on, on some breakout or unheralded slash breakout juniors. I, I love him. I, I, I think he is a unheralded kid who's, who's a division one player uh, and would in a normal year would be really be able to put his name out there. Um, you mentioned Hamilton. He's a, he, he really came on late bloomer and much improved with some size and some length. So it, it's a team that, you know, when you consider, you know, we, we, everything that's going to be going on in the East Suburban Catholic Conference, uh, you know, Notre Dame, St. Pat's, rivalry, rankings, that that would be one of the special games of the year. I say we do it. Notre Dame, St. Pat's at the United Center on March 13th. Spread them out. <laughs> spread them out in the big arena. And uh, let's do it. It'd be super fun. Um, all right. Number eight. Glenbard West. Okay, I'm going to admit it. This is a bit of a leap, a bit of a stretch. They were just 16 and 14 last year, um, three and nine in the West Suburban Silver. But bear with me here, okay? All, they did have injuries. They're, I mean, their best player missed a big chunk of time. So all five starters are back. So the whole team is back. They have two seniors who aren't necessarily the most talented guys, but they're seniors and they got some size. Danny Malkari is 6'6", um, he's very de- dependable and got better throughout the year last season. Aiden Murphy, he's 6'5", he actually can shoot it pretty well for a big guy. And then they've got some special juniors, Braden Huff, who's uh, at least 6'9", at this point, might have grown since I, we started this podcast, <laughs> but he's got multiple um, high major offers, averaged like 16 
seven rebounds a game last year. Major prospect. Uh, you've probably read Joe's stuff on him. And Caden Pierce comes from a very uh, athletic family, as we know. He's a fantastic passer. Had, had a nice season last year. And Paxton Warden, another junior. This is a. It's also a cohesive group. I saw them a couple times last year, and it seems like it's a group that's ready to take the next step. That's another community. It's another high school traditional high school that, you know, has not had, you know, they've not had consistent success, but they've had some years, you know, they're a football the John, school. Yeah. yeah. They're a football <laughs> school, but they had, you know, John Sherna led teams. Um, you know, Justin Pierce's senior year had, you know, Cade's older brother, they had a great senior year that year. So they've had their, they've had some moments, but there's no question they're entering a two year run here that, can really kind of cement uh, Glenbard West as an, an, an another level basketball wise. Braden Huff is, uh, you know, a big lefty, six nine lefty who can, you know, he can stretch the floor. He's got versatility. He can. He's a terrific passer for his position and his size. And, and that's what I like about this team. That their their two stars, Pierce and Huff, are both guys who make people around them better uh, with their passing and and unselfishness. So. You know, when you got that to start with, and you've got some experience now under their belt, they would have had a, you know, a, a, I, had, I had I thought so highly of them, Mike. They were going to be in my when sides collide shootout this year, uh, if it would have been played. So yeah, I am I'm, I'm gung ho on Glenbard West. They're probably a year away. You know, they wouldn't have been a top ten team with the public league's rankings included, but I think they're a bona fide top twenty five team, and I think they're a year away from being across the board top 10 team consensus yeah exactly they were one of those like i have my like pre co well, not pre-covid but when we didn't know what was going on rankings i had glenbird west down as 15 to 20 <laughs> i was good to figure it out in there so this isn't a, a crazy huge step you know just a couple levels up next up number nine i tweeted about them today um it's kind of exciting saint ignatius um, anybody paying attention knew they had that terrific playoff run last season. Um, they were 24-9, as I said, in the regular season, 10-5 and in the Catholic Blue, and they've got a lot back. You know, senior point guard, just that heady, you know, kind of high school player, lord of the court, Parker Hingenbottom, um, John Dignan, a very promising junior in Kobe Giles, another one in A.J. Red, uh, Richard Barron, a 6'5 soft. There's... St. Ignatius is one of those teams, much like DePaul Prep um, and some other Catholic League schools, St. Rita, which is, isn't in the top 10, but it's probably going to be forever on now after this. They're starting to stack talent, and we're seeing something we haven't seen in a really long time where a lot of Catholic League schools are going to be able, I think, to compete with the top-end CPS schools, but it's just starting now. And St. Ignatius, I think it's on the way. Yeah, it's another... Another school that I could talk about a two-year window here. I mean, they're they're ready to win right now, uh, but you know they've got some some juniors and some and, and guys in the sophomore class that you know uh, Jackson Kentucky Kentucky six seven kid a sophomore. Uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned him or not, but he, he's another one who's, who's I did ton he's of prom- six eight on here. Yeah, yeah that, uh... ton, ton of ton of promise. Uh, yeah, yeah. Across, I mean, they've got some depth. They've got balance. Uh, I, I think Ignatius is is you know another rivalry game. Them and Lyle Academy is another one that that over the years it's been that's been a lot of fun. 
Um, I, I, I think they're again a team that again this 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 makeshift season is, is tough because I I don't know if we're going to do you know what I mean like the teams that we see this I'm talking about this two year window are we going to see enough that really kind of sets the stage for the next year yeah. you know what I mean. Uh, I mean, they I don't beat, know. Yeah. it was Loyola they beat, right? Last and in, 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 isn't that who knocked off Loyola? Or, I'm sorry. Um, no. I mean, DePaul. Yeah. I mean, uh, and the problem is they don't have a guy back that averaged double digits. So, I mean, this is a bit of a stretch. Um, but I just mean like this is such an important. I mean, it's an important season for everybody. I don't But these types of teams can really would, get a lot would, out of it. This yeah. would, yeah. This, it, you know, it just kind of sets the sets the tone, and and hopefully for what's a a normal June for the high school season. Uh, by that I mean just they're all their guys are together and playing and and being able to compete uh, together again at a higher level uh, w- w- would be imperative for a lot of these teams going into next year. But we'll wait and see if that happens. It's exciting to me to see these Catholic League programs with these young coaches really kind of step up. You know, it's, I mean, I'm not going to lie, and I think the podcasts, everybody knows it. The Catholic League hadn't been real exciting, you know, for a few years, and the CPS was dominating everything in sight in the city. And I, I slowly, that's starting to change. We've got some guys like Matt Monroe, you know, at Ignatius, Roshan Russell, look what he's doing it. Um, St. Rita, Rita, you know, Tom Kleinschmidt, you know, you can always depend on Mike Bailey and Tom Livettino at those places. And so we're getting the Catholic schools in Chicago, whether it's East Suburban or the Catholic League, I, I feel like there's a bit of a turnaround happening. And I think that's exciting and it's good for high school basketball and it's going to make things fun once we get back to normal. Um, number 10. It's funny because I feel like most years the listeners kind of know where we're going and know who all these teams are. And this year, I don't think anybody has a clue. They're just like, okay, you guys just talked about Ignatius and Glenbard West. <laughs> where are we going with number 10? It's this is You guys are in suspense right now. I can tell the listeners have no clue who number 10 is going to be. It's Rolling Meadows. You know we had to go with it. It's Max Christie. Um, but the pressure's on. Do I really think they're the 10th best team? I don't know. I'll be honest. Um, I'm not super convinced. They got to prove it. Um, but they've got Max Christie, so let's get him in there. Let's have him prove it. They've also got his little brother, Cam Christie, um, and they've got a lot back. Uh, Daniel Sobkowitz, Ryan Stubtitich, Stubtitch, who I've probably killed his last name. Another junior I liked last year, Orlando Thomas, who played a bit. So there's a lot of experience back. They were 20 and nine. Kevin Katowicz, um, just a great guy, a coach over there. The Rolling Meadows people have been so wonderful to deal with you know over these last couple of years and it's been fun to watch that community just enjoy max christie's time there so i've loved that but i do think and i think they'd admit it and max chris kind of did admit it they need to prove you know that rolling meadows basketball is really good and it's not just max christie that this team is good and i'm glad we're going to have a season for that i'm going to see them really soon in the next couple days i'm looking forward to that and so we're going to have them here at number 10 and we're going to see what happens it's another storyline team you know i uh the community that hasn't had much basketball to to to, 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 to about at a high level yeah. and here you got this superstar max christie who you know in today's world uh, a max christie a lot of times we, we, i think we've talked about in the past or written about it 
they they leave. They they don't stick around. Yeah. Um, they're, 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 he's never wavered, you know, and the family hasn't. And I give that a lot of credit. Obviously, his younger brother's there. Having seen Max play with the Wolves again in, in, in the in the late summer fall, I know people haven't seen him because of everything that's been going on. He looks to me like a different player. He 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 looks just so confident, so sure of himself, and he looks and plays the part of a top twenty player in the country. And you put that on the floor every night in a high school basketball game, and then you surround him with a Division One player like his brother Cameron Christie and a much improved Orlando Thomas. Uh, you know, I I just think that they have not been they have not been able to prove that they can play with the best yet. Uh, this was going to be their chance. Uh, we'll see what kind of scheduling comes into play with, with, because of what's happening. Cause I, I would, I would love, and I think, you know, we would all love to have seen Max Christie play some high profile games, uh, over the course of the season. You know, I had that, I had the Max Christie Bryce Hopkins matchup in my one sides collide shootout all set up a rematch of last year which I think would have been one of the highlights of the season. Yeah. When you put those two kids together, almost like a Maggettyish Quentin Richardson, you know, 22 years ago type deal, and it, it didn't come together. I, I mean, I've I've heard that maybe they still may play each other. Uh, we'll see if that transpires. But I, I, you know, it's a little bullish putting them in the top ten. Uh, but I, I, I don't think you, I, you just cannot discount having a player like Max Christie and what he can do for you uh, at the end of games, what he can do for the guys around him, the focus and the attention that he is going to draw from every single other opposing team. Uh, and he has the ability to make others better too. So, I mean, I, I think they at some point would have, whether they were in a rankings without the public league teams or now in the top 10 without them, I, I think they would have been a top 25 team no matter what. And, and, and over the course of the year, got enough wins to make you think, Mike, okay, yeah, they, they, they're right there, uh, borderline top 10 team. And it's too bad we should mention um, Chris Hodges, the Schomburg star, Wisconsin recruit. Um, he's opted out of the season, you know, for worried about – you know, COVID and some health issues with his family, which it makes totally understandable. Um, totally get why he would do that. It is just a shame that that's kind of another premier game that Max Christie kind of won't get to have in Rolling Meadows uh, in the MSL. All right, that's it. It's the top 10, Joe. Um, I'm going to briefly, let's... This is it. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still like shocked. I have a schedule to talk about right now. I really didn't think this was happening. Um, and I'm not sure when I'm going to put this podcast out. So we're going to start with tomorrow. There is an interesting game. Hankley Big Rock is at Indian Creek on Wednesday night. Um, I'd probably go if I could get my car out of the alley, but I can't currently. It is snowed in, and uh, so I have no idea if it'll be uh, plowed by tomorrow. Um, Thursday we do have games now. I know Jack Gleason updated the schedule, but I did not add anything on here. Friday, Maine South at Loyola. Both teams are going to have robust schedules, it seems, albeit that one. I already got the okay from the nice people at Loyola. Also, Sandwich is at Yorkville Christian. You know, um, 
Yorkville Christian is going to be a team we'll talk a lot about in the podcast this year. A team that, who knows, might wind up in the Super 25. Um, Saturday will be the debut. Buffalo Grove at Rolling Meadows. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I think it's going to be at 7.30, although the time's gone back and forth. I hope there's a stream of that somewhere. That'll be Max Christie starting out the year, and I will be there live tweeting and have the final minute at least. And then on Monday, things get interesting. The Catholic League kicks off. I think Joe said he was going to try to go to DePaul at St. Joe's. Um, yeah, that's the plan. We'll see if I, I haven't. I have to admit, I haven't looked closely at the schedules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have. I did this morning. It was great fun. <coughs> Excuse me. It was like a return to normal to uh, get on Jack's site and go through it all. But I think Monday, I might. I haven't totally decided yet, but I'm leaning towards St. Rita at De La Salle. I'm just, I, I need to see all these De La Salle kids. Or sorry, these St. Rita. St. Rita. Yeah, kids. It sounds kind of exciting. I want to see their debut. I've heard so much about them. So I might tend towards that one, but I haven't totally decided. And then Tuesday is, you know, slightly loaded for a COVID-19 season. We got Glenbrook South at, at Niles North. We have Naperville North at Nequa Valley. Palatine at Fremd. And then the game I think I'm going to go to, um, oh, no, I do. I already okayed it. Sorry. Uh, Bolingbrook at Lincoln Way East at 630. Um, Lincoln Way East returns a lot from last year. And I, I liked their their underclassmen last year. I think they're interesting. Bolingbrook's always loaded. However, they did lose two players to transfer um, because of the whole COVID delay and everything. So we'll see what they have to offer. But that's a look at the week ahead. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for returning. We've got high school basketball back. As weird as it is, uh, it should be a fun year. And we'll be back in about a week. 